Turn with me in Romans, the eighth chapter, in the first verse. If you've got your Bibles there, and I want to read a scripture there that Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. And you know that it's amazing about uh, Paul. He was such a uh, diversified teacher, preacher. He could, he could preach at anything. Well, he was an apostle. <laughs> apostle called out of due time. And an apostolic ministry, an apostle ministry, you know, really, you got a fivefold ministry. How many knows that? Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. But it's, it should be in the order of the order. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. <laughs> but uh, I call that the fivefold ministry. And uh, most people agree to that. But the apostolic ministry, when you see in an apost- apostolic ministry, such as Paul, the apostle, because he started out as an evangelist. He started out preaching the gospel after he got born again on the road to Damascus. And he started preaching as an evangelist. Then God helped him to establish some churches. He became a teacher and pastor. And, uh, and, and he was also a prophet of the Lord. Um, all, all five ministries operated in Paul at some time or other. In an apostolic ministry, that's exactly what happens, that, that, that all five ministries actually operate and function in that individual. Not that he's functioning in them all at one time. How many understands what I'm saying? But they, he's, he functions in those capacities. And uh, I'm, I guess I'm considered an apostle over some pastors and ministers throughout the country. And uh, they look to me for mentorship and mentoring and and uh, instructions, uh, sometimes clarification on scriptures. They'll call me, and and that's that's my that's a responsibility that I have. I'm not one of these self-proclaimed apostles. I'm not self-proclaimed prophet. I mean, I understand what I'm saying. I mean, you know, there's some people that are just self-proclaimed, and uh, but no, uh, but when when we operate in the ministry that God's called us for, the anointing will be there for that specific thing. And if it's not there, don't try to operate in it. Amen. <laughs> so, but Paul was, uh, was, was one that operated in all five categories, actually. And he wrote this to the Church of Rome. Now, the Church of Rome was a church that was Gentiles, primarily. Um, they, they had a very uh, wild lifestyle before they got saved. <laughs> In Rome. Rome was not known for holiness. Rome was not known for, uh, you know, righteousness. Rome was known for partying. And uh, different lifestyles that we don't agree with. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I had, I had someone ask me the other day. They said, well, I've got some people coming to my church that uh, are this and uh, they, they, they're, they're both men, but they, they love each other. And I said, well, you know what? I said, it's abomination to God. I said, yes, God loves those individuals. How many understands what I'm saying? God loves sinners. God loves anybody, whatever they're in. But I'm not going to condone a lifestyle that goes contrary to the Word of God, that goes contrary to the Scriptures, and let that person think they're going to heaven. Because the Bible says they won't. Amen. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, nobody shouting right now. But this, this is good preaching. <laughs> but look what Romans eight one says. I love this scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh. But according to the Spirit. Now, I want to reread that because sometimes you find people that's in disobedience to God and you have to correct some people in disobedience to God. How many understand what I'm saying? I mean, listen, if I'm, if, if I'm sinning, I want somebody that's in authority with the Lord and every, to come to me and say, Brother Clarence, you need this in your life. You need to repent. Hey, when I was a young preacher, that was quite a few years ago. <laughs> I was pastoring a church, and and uh, and it, it was just uh, uh, that was one of those training grounds for me, you know. 
But God was moving. It was during a great move of God during the 70s, early 70s. And, and uh, I mean, things were happening. Miracles were taking place. People were getting saved. People getting delivered. And, uh, and, and, and I, I, I'm just talking about me now, but I think every one of us here would have to say that you have a battle with pride sometimes somewhere. Amen. And, uh, uh, you know, pride is, uh, is the original sin, really. That's what Lucifer had. He was puffed up in pride. He said, I will exalt myself. I will do this. I will do that. And uh, he fell. And you take the eye out of pride, you don't have no pride. Sin is spelled S-I-N. If you take the eye out of sin, you're not sinning. <laughs> how many knows? How many knows who? What the problem is with sin and pride? Right here. You, don't point to me. No, you point to yourself. Right here. <laughs> but I'll never forget. God was moving, and I thought I was doing the thing that God called me to. I really did. I was. I was preaching the word, and uh, but you know, a wrong attitude can get in there. And I got a wrong attitude, not realizing that it was there, because I couldn't see it. I was blinded to it. But one Sunday morning, I left, and I was getting in my car, and one of my elders came to me. And he put his hands on my shoulders, and tears streaming down his face. He said, Brother Clarence, he said, you're one of the greatest preachers we've ever had, and you're a great preacher. But, I mean, he was just sobbing. Brother Clarence, i got to tell you this. You're puffed up in pride. And if you don't get rid of it, you're going to fall. And, of course, me, in my unprideful condition, I put my hand on his hand and said, I don't have pride. Amen? Don't look at me so innocent out there now. If I was to come to you and say, you know, I detect something in you that's not right. Not me, Brother Clarence. Oh, uh-uh, not me. You see, this is where we got to have humility and, um, and be humble. Amen. Amen. This isn't even in my notes, but I'm going to preach it anyhow on this part of it. Amen. But after he did that, I got in my car and I drove off. Got about two blocks down the road and the Holy Spirit hit me so hard. I started sobbing. I had to pull off on the side of the road. I was, I was weeping so heavy under the conviction of God. And God said, he's right. He said, I love you. I've called you. I've anointed you. But you've let pride get in the way. I tell you what, I couldn't get over to his house fast enough. And I drove up in the driveway. He hadn't been there, but maybe he just drove up and was getting out of the car and up on the porch. And, and I mean, I drove up and I got up there and I hugged him. I was sobbing. I said, brother, you are right. I said, forgive me. Pray with me right now. And he did. And you know what? I didn't have no problem with pride. Hallelujah. We, we got, listen, we got to come to terms with what's wrong. Well, that was free. I'm not even going to charge you for that one. Romans 8, 1 said, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If you start feeling condemnation, it could be that you're walking according to the flesh and not to the Spirit. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean God doesn't want to do something good for you. But we've got to come to terms with ourselves and see where we are. Amen? Now, when I first got saved, it didn't take me long to pick up on the idea of what Paul meant when he said, Therefore, there's no condemnation. There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because I thought Paul meant something like Christians never feel guilty when sinning. I will say that again. Some Christians don't feel guilty when they're sinning. Sin is sin. <laughs> you can't you can't whitewash it. You can't get around it. it, you, it it's sin is sin. Call it what it is. Speak forth. Listen. And, and when we think of sins, we think of murder, robbing a bank, 
uh, uh, you, you know, slapping your wife around or nobody does that here. I just said that. You can laugh. But we, we, we put sin in categories. But anything that's not godly, that's not right with God's will, it's sin. You can't whitewash it. Can't get around it. I, I knew a man one time, he was really called of God, called to preach. He was called to preach. He was a great preacher, a great teacher of the Word. And he never, ever, he couldn't let go of where he was and what he was doing. And, 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 I, and listen, I'm not saying that every preacher has to quit their job. How many understands what I'm saying? I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that when you're called and God's leading and guiding you, sometimes you can't be tied to something physically. You've got to follow the Lord. And when you follow the Lord, you'll be in that place called there. When you're there, God provides. Hallelujah. And when the provisions are there, you're going to see God do it supernaturally and do it His way. But he's, He never did get to do that. And today, He's still not really at peace. He's at peace with God, but He's not at peace with Himself because He feels like He has failed. He's failed. Now... I told him one day, I said, brother, I said, I can't tell you that you're called to do this and do that and do that. Only you know that. Yeah. You're the, I'm not going to be guilty of calling somebody to do something. Uh, the Holy Ghost is going to have to do the calling. But anyway, but you know, and then there's people that feel like, you know, they can sin. And when they're guilty, they, they don't have to feel guilty when they're sinning because they're Christians. Now, if we sin, now I'm not ta- listen, I'm not talking about you going out here and throwing a big drunk tonight. <laughs> Getting overloaded with dope. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you get out here running around on your wife or doing nothing like that. I, sin is sin. But what happens is we have to come to that place to where we should not feel comfortable in our spirit, man, if we're not pleasing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You've got to believe that God is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. But it takes faith. Faith is important in anything we do. We have to have faith in God. We have to have faith in God. When we get up in the morning, we have to have faith in God. We have to have faith in God to see us through that day. Faith in God to see us through this month, this year. Faith in God to do the provisions that's needed. Listen, the job's only temporary. Did you know a job's only temporary? Because you can lose it just like that. But when you know that you know who is the blesser, and you know Him in truth, then it doesn't matter because He will provide supernaturally. Praise God. But uh, I knew it meant that because that's the way I heard that others use it that way. How many knows you believe something just because you heard it all your life? I asked someone one time, I said, how do you know that there's a real heaven? Well, somebody told me it was. Well, that's good. I I mean, you know, we need to listen. But how many knows, just because somebody says something, that doesn't mean it's revelation to your heart. You've got to have that divine revelation in your heart that there is a real heaven. And when you got a revelation that there's a real heaven, this spirit man's going to line up with everything that God has because I'm not going to do anything to be delayed or not get there when I'm supposed to be there. Amen? Heaven's real. Hell's real. Victory's real. Trials are real. But trials do not bypass God's power. God's power always prevails in the situation. Praise God. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Hallelujah. Because God's on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's all that God that's all that matters. Amen. Now the Bible said we are there is no condemnation. Now that word condemnation uh, literally means uh, we have no more bondage to sin. 
because Christ has set us free from sin through his spirit and what he did by the blood. And in his death, burial, and resurrection. That, that's, that's where it's all at. We no longer condemn to a life of servitude to sin. Aren't you glad for that? When you're born again, you, you no longer have to serve sin or the slave master of sin. We don't have to do it. Praise God. Now, I know I'm talking to mostly Christians here tonight, but you know what? There's still some people that are in bondage to the slave master. And the slave master has lied and taken the peace that's rightfully yours and the joy that you possess that's rightfully yours and has taken that from you through lies. See, I don't feel saved. I know I'm saved. Hallelujah. I don't hope I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Because I know there's a real heaven. And I don't want to go to hell because there's a real hell. Some people act like there's not a real hell. God's not going to punish nobody. God's not going to put nobody there. But they did, they forgot to read the last book of the Bible. Amen. <laughs> there is a lake of fire, a brimstone and fire. And all the unbelievers and all those that did not believe are going to be cast into it. It's not God doing it. Yeah, how many knows God's not trying to destroy nobody? He done everything in the world to put roadblocks up so you could go to heaven. He done every. Listen, if somebody goes to hell, they got to walk all over all over the blood of Jesus, all over the prayers of the moms and dads and great aunts and uncles and all of those Christian friends that they've known that's prayed and held them up in prayer. You got to walk all over those prayers, trample them under. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to really work hard to get there, because God's made it so easy. Amen. Y'all still with me tonight? <laughs> Look at Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 and 9. Paul wrote this. He said, For though I caused you to sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. In other words, that church at Corinth, when he had to write a letter to them, and there were some things happening in that church, he had to write a pretty powerful letter to them of authority, as, a, as an authoritative voice of God. And he had to tell them some things to do and not to do. And he got, he got pretty stern. How, how, many wants a, how many wants a stern word from God that will save you? And not some mealy mouth, well, God understands. God knows, God knows your heart. And, and you know, he, he, listen, what we do with our body and our mind and our mouth is because it's in our heart. <laughs> this body, don't blame sin on the body. Hallelujah. I know I'm really preaching good now. But look what he said. Therefore, submit to God. In James 4, 7 and 10, James is writing this. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And lament and mourn and weep and lest your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. Now. There's a lot of Christians that are saved, born again, but they don't live a life of victory. Come on. Amen. 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 Y'all still with me? Yeah. Yes. They don't live a life of victory. They have not learned to turn inward to the overcomer that's in them. God, the Lord himself dwells within this temple. This is the temple of the Lord. And in this temple lives the King of Kings Amen. by the Spirit. Now, He's seated at the right hand of the Father physically and spiritually right now. But He is in our spirits and He rules and reigns. But there's something that keeps people from growing in the Lord. It's called condemnation. Now, when Paul writes about condemnation, he's not talking to the sinners out here. He's not talking to people that have, 
have, have never heard the gospel or people that have not received the gospel as far as receiving the truth and being born again. He's talking to the church. Now, look what he said. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, condemnation keeps a believer from growing and maturing as a child of God. Condemnation keeps people down. Condemnation keeps you from giving a bold testimony. Condemnation keeps you from praising God out loud so others can hear you praising for it. Listen. Somebody said, well, I can't really testify because, man, I tell you what, everybody knows what happened in my life. And everybody knows how, how horrible of a person I am and I was. And, and I tell you, it's hard for me to, to praise God. And, and it's hard for me to, to talk about these things. You know, and there, listen, there's some good Christian people that's been hoodwinked by the devil. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But look what the Bible said in Revelation 12.10, For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Uh, in Zechariah, the third chapter, the first through the seventh verses, Joshua the high priest was accused by Satan. And I'll just read these scriptures real quick. He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord said to Satan, If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. He said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who's chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, was standing before the angel. He answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts, and I'll give you places to walk among those who stand here. Isn't that just like God? Amen? So what brings on... This sense of unworthiness, condemnation. It's a sense of unworthiness. It's, a, it's exactly what it amounts to. When you have condemnation operating in your spirit and soul, it's a spirit of unworthiness. You don't feel worthy enough of the things of God. How many knows that you can't put enough money in the bank to buy the blessings of God? The righteousness of God. The joy of the Lord. The peace of God. That there's not enough money that you could gather up to buy it because it's a gift from God. He's paid the price. It's ours. It belongs to us. And so what brings on condemnation? Number one, it's a sense of unworthiness. Sin consciousness. Past sins and failures. The devil will always draw you a picture of your past. Have you noticed, I want to just use this as a moment. Uh, I've known people that got involved with fortune tellers. Oh, yeah. Come on. You know, I, I even knew some Christians that got involved with fortune tellers. And I said, you're playing well on the devil's territory now. You're opening yourself up to the powers of darkness. They said, yeah, but they told me all this had happened in uh, three years ago, ten years ago, and it was right on. I said, yeah. The devil knows your past. The devil knows the past. The devil does not know your future. The only thing the devil's got to work on is your past. I've seen people that... So, Brother Clarence, I tell you, I just don't feel like I'm worthy enough to do anything for God. Because when I was little, my daddy beat me. Well, the only reason I know if he beat you, you deserved it. <laughs> now, don't, don't shout me down now. 
I mean, we, we could really get into some stuff here. You know, the Bible said, beat a child. He, and, and when he's old, he won't depart from the ways of the Lord. <laughs> well, you can't beat no salvation into nobody. How many understand what I'm saying? But the devil brings unworthiness. Because people have felt inadequate when they were younger. Inadequate. Can I tell you a little personal story? Ever since I was little, I mean really little, I was the most bashful thing you ever saw. Even when I was a kid. Now, I, I would be bold with my parents and, you know, my relatives and my cousins and stuff and things. But I'm talking about anybody else. I mean, boy, I just clammed up. I wouldn't say a word. This lasted all the way up through my teen years in high school. I passed. I was able to do the work. I just wasn't able to get up in front of the class and do the oral work and speak and talk. And my English teacher, I saw her when she was 100 years old at her 100th birthday party. And I went to her party, and there she was. She looked like she did when she was 65 when she retired. She was 100 years old. And I said, Miss Leg, I said, I bet you don't remember who I am. She said, oh, yes, I do, Clarence Richard Dalrymple. You were in my English class for two years, your junior and senior year, and you sat in the sixth desk over there by the window on my right-hand side, both years. And she said, I asked you a question, and you didn't answer it. And I didn't ask you no more. And I said, well, I know. And I said, I passed. She said, I know, because I knew that you knew the answer. That's the kind of teacher she was. Anyway, she was so delighted and excited. She wanted to know what I'd been doing. I told her, I think I just got back from Africa on some mission trips and stuff. And, and she, she said she was just so happy, tears in her eyes. She just praising God. She was a believer. She was a believer. And, but what I'm saying is the devil could have kept me in a spirit of timidity. And, ne- and I would never have done anything for God. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done nothing, but I wouldn't have done what God called me to do. God has to give you the boldness. Boldness comes from the Lord. And I'm not talking about smart aleck boldness. I'm talking about boldness. <laughs> I'm talking about being bold in the Holy Ghost and bold in the Lord and doing what God says to do. But it's unworthiness, sin consciousness, past sins and failures, uh, rejection, rejection. Dear Lord, I've told this story here before, but it, it bears repeating. But I, I was preaching in a, in a West Texas town, and uh, this fellow came through. He was a singer, a gospel singer. And he wanted to, he, 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 I knew him and we talked and, and he was from the area where I lived and anyway, I was living in Fort Worth at that particular time and, uh, and he, uh, he came and he said, Brother Clarence, uh, I was going to fly back. I, back then you could buy one way tickets, you know, and just get them as you per, you know, did it. You can't do that much no more, but back then you could. And so, or you get a refund, you know, you can't do that much anymore, you know, but, uh, Anyway, I, I don't remember if I had a round trip or if I was going to buy another ticket when I got to the airport because we never knew how long the meeting was going to go, you know. And uh, so anyway, he said, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to drive you back to Fort Worth in my new Corvette. I said, okay, glory to God. New Corvette, that's, that's going to be fun. And I got in that Corvette, and I'm telling you what, that's the roughest ride I ever had in my life. I mean, everything, every, every stripe in the road, every little, where the concrete was put together, you know, it just, I mean, my rear end was sore. And I'm sitting there thinking, why in the world would people put all this money into a car that's not even comfortable? But I didn't say nothing. But he got to talking to him and he said, Brother Clarence, he said, oh, he just talked, got talking about his fiancee. How she broke up with him. I said, really? He said, yeah, I loved her. He said, I know that was the one for me. I know it was. And he said, I loved her. And he said, I just can't get over it. I just can't get over it. And I said, well, brother, 
I said, we can pray. And if she's the one, God can move on her. And I said, if not, you know, you're just going to have to go forward. And I said, well, how long ago did she jilt you? He said, 12 years ago. I said, dear Lord, man, she don't want you. Forget it. It's over with. Why are you sitting here moaning and groaning for 12 years? Can't you get it? She don't want you. Oh, he started sobbing. I said, I'm sorry, but you know, I I didn't mean to to bring all that up into your spirit so that you feel sorry for yourself again. But I said, I'm telling you, you just need to look to God. God has the one for you. Anyway, he received. And just about a year later, I saw him at a conference somewhere. He had his new wife with him. Oh, they were so happy. They just like little lovebirds, you know. He done forgot about the 12 years prior to that or 13 years, you know. Hallelujah. God does good things for you. Amen. Y'all still with me? Satan calls you rejection, bitterness, bitterness. Bitterness will kill you. It's, It's poison to your spirit, man. Bitterness is no good. Regret. Regret over wrong decisions. Comparison to others. Comparing yourself to other people. I tell you what. You know, I've seen ministries compare one another, each other to, you know, to, to each other, you know, to compare to, to one another. Uh, you can't do that. Nobody's the same. You know, I, I, I'm not going to try to preach like somebody else and, and do like somebody else. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be what God tells me to do, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and what, I'm going to say what He tells me to say. How's that? Is that fair enough? But... Comparison to others will bring this sense of condemnation and unworthiness on you. Bruises from Satan is a sense of rejection. It's a sense of rejection. It's in your spirit, and it's bruising your spirit, man. We're, a lot of people are bruised in their spirit. And, uh, you know, man's basic needs need to be met through love and communication. Did you know it's important? Do you know if a husband and wife live together and they never communicated? Some needs are not being met. Amen? So love and communication is important. And when rejection enters, that person is denied love, security, acceptance, identity, and recognition. Now listen, I've seen people. We had a young man come to our church. And he had been rejected by his father. And he loved his mother dearly, but his father had rejected him. And he just couldn't hardly live up to what he felt the standards of his father was. And I ministered to him quite a bit. And, and finally, one day, one day, the Spirit of God got into his heart. And the knowledge of the Word, that revelation knowledge came alive. And he shook loose from that sense of rejection. And you know what happened? Him and his father, God brought them back together in the Spirit. And they both hugged one another and loved one another, and they just went right on. Praise God. And the fathers went on to be with the Lord now. But I'm I'm so happy that that got settled between him and his father. Because rejection was there, and due to that rejection, it was affecting his life personally And he had a great talent and a great ministry and a great ability to do things for God. But because of that rejection, it caused him to shy away from what God called him to do. Results of rejection is emotional immaturity. I'm just, I'm just going to read off some things here that I got, that God gave me. Results of rejection is emotional immaturity. Did you know there's a little boy and a little girl on, each, on the inside of each of us? <laughs> some of us are way past being little boys and little girls. We're not going to start asking for ages. Y'all might get proud and try to say, I'm older than they are, you know. <laughs> But inside of us, there's a little boy and a little girl inside of us all. I mean, there's something inside of us that we still like that 
that assurance and that, uh, uh, that, that uh, you know, just affirmation from, from the, the, the older sector, the mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts. And, and you know what I'm saying? We, we still like that acceptance. We still like that thing. And the boy seeks that approval that his mom gave him. And the little girls seek that approval that their dad gave them. And they seek in that. A lot of times that's what they're looking for. And the love vacuum's present. Um, goals and things cannot feel vacuum. Did you know you, people can set goals and have things, but it not feel that vacuum on the inside? Amen? And then what happens is, condemnation, unworthiness, it brings bitterness. Bitterness. It's like an apple that's dropped and bruised. There's no sign of damage for several days. Then a dark spot appears and it turns to rottenness. Now, you know, listen, I want to tell you something. Bitterness inside of an individual, it may not look like it's hurting them right off the bat. But before long, it's going to begin to show up on the outside. There's going to be some things to show up on the outside. And that bitterness is going to pollute the whole spirit. Bitterness will manifest itself in the speech that comes out of our mouth. Bitterness will be seen in our actions many times. It will be revealed in our attitudes. Turn to that person next to you and say, you look, you look like you got a good attitude tonight. But our attitudes will show and be revealed through this bruise. And you're not going to be wanted to be around. I tell you what, I don't want to be around somebody that's always bitter and always sarcastic and always putting somebody down. I don't want to be around that. I want to be around somebody that's got joy and peace and love and, and the power of God and the anointing of God. And eventually there will be a breakdown in health, mental and physical, because of these things in the Spirit. And it builds a wall of isolation. We isolate ourselves. Or every once in a while we'll break out, you know. But we isolate ourselves. We, we think we're insulating ourselves, but we're isolating ourselves from people. And it results in broken relationships. And we cut people out of our life. And we get a very critical attitude. I want to read these scriptures real fast here. Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 15. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that the lame, what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now this is Paul writing in Hebrews again to the church. And he said, many will become defiled. The heart knows its own bitterness. Your heart knows the bitterness that's there. If there's any bitterness, your heart knows it. And a strange one does not share its joy. That's Proverbs 14.10. Proverbs 14.30 said, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. And I like Proverbs 15.13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. It's like medicine. Praise God. A merry heart's like medicine. But a sorrowful spirit dries the bones. Another thing that happens when there's a wounded spirit or a condemnation spirit, our ego is crushed. Our ego. Now, every one of us have ego. Ego is our perception of ourselves and how we're seen by, uh, by the outside world. We, listen, how you see yourself is what you're portraying to the rest of the people. If you see yourself as a, a failure... If you see yourself as one that can't do anything, that's the way you're projecting yourself to other people. We need to project ourselves. Don't let that ego... Uh, everybody's got an ego. Someone's ego is their sense of their own worth. And some people have a mighty big sense of their worth. <laughs> that's called big egos. <laughs> and 
course, the results of all this happening in our spirits, depression, isolation by not feeling accepted, giving up, inferiority complex, inferiority complex, saying I'm not as good as somebody else. I can't do it as good as somebody else. You know what? God doesn't expect you to do it just like anybody else. Just do it like God gives you the ability to do. If any man minister, let him minister according to the ability that God gives him. God gives us the ability. The ability that God's put in us is what it's going to be all about when it's all over with. Amen? His ability is there. God wants you well. Look at Hebrews 12.1. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. we got to just lay it aside. Amen. Let Christ sanctify and cleanse you with the washing of the water by the word. Unify the body. Get in unity with one another. Amen. Don't let, don't let barriers be built up between you and another individual. This is husband and wife. Don't let barriers get built up between husbands and wives. Fathers and mothers and children. Don't let barriers get there. Listen, let's tear down those barriers and not isolate ourselves. Don't give up. But let's... God wants us well. Everybody say, God wants me well. Look at Hebrews 12, 1. Let us, therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside... Let us lay aside every weight and sin that thus will be easily beset us. Let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Let's run with patience. Let's be, patience is being continuous, being the same all the time. That's what patience is. It's being the same all the time. You just follow the Lord. Let God be what you call, what, be what God's called you to be. Do what God's called you to do. Quit being a baby. We'll get you a sucker. Hallelujah. <laughs> Is this okay? I'm going to quit in a minute. <laughs> God wants to unify the body. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let God do what he's going to do. But here, here's the key. Here's the key right here. Here's a, here's a main ingredient for you letting God's grace operate in your life. And you getting rid of that self, that unworthiness and that self-condemnation that the devil's tried to place on you. Here's a key to spiritual healing. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness. And did you know what? Sometimes you've got to forgive Yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Forgive yourself. See, everybody else forgives you. But oh, you just still sold down in the dumps because you know you haven't forgiven yourself. Forgive yourself. You have to get involved in it. Amen. <laughs> Forgiveness releases the hurt of the past. We gotta realize one thing, God doesn't hold the past against you. <laughs> He's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. And one who carries the hurt, if you've got a hurt, you're bound to the past. If there's a hurt that's keeping you in bondage, you're bound to the past. I'm not going to let the past hinder me from my tomorrow. Because my tomorrow is going to be filled with blessings. And the tomorrow after that and the tomorrow after that. Because you see, past is over with. Yesterday's in the tomb. <laughs> I said yesterday's in the tomb. Today is the day of salvation. Yesterday will become today. <laughs> today will be tomorrow. <laughs> Amen? Listen, we, we've got to understand that God said, let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. Let's let it go. Praise God. Forgive. The bitterness of the past flows into present relationships. 
unforgiveness, bitterness, troubles, all that that you bring into now and the future is going to flow into present relationships that you have today. Have you ever seen anybody that can't get along with anybody? I mean, I've seen people that can't get along with nobody. They can't get along with their cat and dog. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, it's a bad situation, but they can't get along because they haven't learned how to forgive. And that word forgive means to set free, to cancel, to remit. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Hallelujah. So, forgiveness releases a hurt of the past. And if we carry in the past, we're, we're bound to the past. Release others. Forgiveness releases God's healing in you. Isaiah 53 becomes reality. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. We're healed by his stripes. And Jesus came to set free those who are bound within. And this is the goal of spiritual healing. Number one, we need to have peace with others. Peace with yourself and peace with God. And you can't have peace with God until you can have peace with others and yourself. And then the peace of God is going to rule your heart and umpire your heart. So once we come to terms with ourselves and God can bring wholeness to our spirit and our body, pure water. Have you ever seen a container that you put clear water in and then all of a sudden it's got dirt in there mingled with it and all that dirt just starts rising and it just gets in there and, and you look at that bottle and, I mean, I wouldn't drink nothing out of that bottle. I mean, you know, I've, I've been on, I went on a camping trip one time and I, believe me, I'm just not a real outdoors person. I like indoor toilets. I like good running water. <laughs> and I love Whataburger. <laughs> but we've got to have peace with others, peace with, ourse- with ourselves, and peace with God. We can't have peace with God until we get the other peace out of the way. Amen? And that's what we're going to do. So once we come to terms, pure water, pure water is going to flow out of a pure vessel. How many wants to be a pure vessel for the Lord tonight? Do you really want to be that? Do you really want God to take care of that? I'll tell you what, if, if you've been feeling like you're just not worth anything, you're not, uh, you, you don't have quality Gifts, I'll tell you what God does. He takes that that's nothing and makes something good out of it. Heard the story about the old violin. And it was plunked and out of tune, you know. And everybody tried to play it and it was just out of tune. Finally, an old man comes up and says, let me have that violin. And he gets that violin and he starts turning the little knobs on it. And, making, and then all of a sudden he just starts making the most beautiful music out of that violin. Somebody said, where did that come from? That come from the master taking hold of something that was broken and undone and tuning it up and making it worthwhile. Hallelujah. And that's what God does with us. He takes our life. Even Christians get out of sorts. Sometimes Christians need to be tuned up again. Amen. (laughs) I wish I could tune them up for God, but I can't. It takes God doing it. It takes them coming into the presence of the Lord and letting God take care of those situations. And when he does, you know what? Oh, I'll tell you something. People are going to see it right off the bat. They're going to say, what you been drinking? Why are you so happy? Why are you smiling all the time again? Why? why it, I mean, I like being around you for a change. Why? Because we get rid of that old self-image of worthlessness and let God do his job in us. We're somebody in Christ. Can you say amen? Lift your hand and just magnify the Lord for just a moment. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Amen. I hope you got something out of that. Because I tell you what, I spent all day on that for you. It's one of those slow cookers, you know. Let's sing this little chorus as a prayer to the Lord before we leave tonight. To be like Jesus. 
to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him all through life's journey. From earth to glory, all I ask is to be like Him. Just slip your hand and make it a prayer to Him tonight. Oh, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like Him. Father, we just thank You tonight. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. Thank You for the Word that's bred to our spirit man and life to us. Lord, we thank You that the Word is producing the results. Lord, we just give You praise and we give You glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's stand our feet tonight. Praise God. Mother's Day is Sunday. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother L.H., could you dismiss us tonight?